Hey, welcome to the big finale of our series that we've been in for a number of weeks now called Plot Twist. We're looking at the life of Joseph and just learning how he went through all kinds of unforeseen surprise circumstances and situations, but trusted God through it all, and God delivered him to his destiny. Uh, before we look at the, the last message in that series, I, I, I do want to just kind of take a moment and focus. This is our 21 days of prayer and fasting. We, we began that this week. And so I want to just take a moment and and to pray for the situation that's going on uh, in Ukraine right now. And and I know it's real easy sometimes. It seems like maybe that's far away. Uh, But when we agree in prayer, it's really incredibly powerful. And there's already precedent of God really stepping in in the middle uh, of, of wartime situations and doing the miraculous. So I want to share with you briefly a story of what happened in Dunkirk, uh, the Battle of Dunkirk really, uh, in May of 1940, how people prayed and it caused the whole situation to really change and a miracle come out of it. So in May 1940, this is World War II, uh, Nazi panzers advanced openly and Britain appeared to be facing her worst defeat in history. The German high command stated, and I quote, the British army is encircled and our troops are proceeding to its annihilation. They were totally encircled. In the natural, there was no hope, and it seemed like hundreds of thousands of English soldiers would soon either be dead or suffering in Nazi prisoner war camps. But a day of prayer was called by His Majesty the King on May the 26th, and God came to the defense of the people as they prayed. A storm descended on the area of Dunkirk, saving the armies from Nazi planes. They could not fly because they did not have any visibility. They would have been able to just mow down countless numbers of British soldiers that were really on the beach, completely surrounded, and and nothing that they could do. And then God calmed the seas, allowing coastal yachts to to transport troops from the beaches back to the homeland of England. The most optimistic hope that 20, maybe even uh, 30,000 British troops would be able to be saved, but actually that number was rescued was actually closer to 10 times that amount of troops that were actually saved during that time when there was cover over the beach and the Nazis could not fly their aircrafts at all. The Daily Sketch, which is the British newspaper at the time, declared, in quotes, nothing like it had ever happened before. And everywhere the word miracle was being spoken all throughout England, this is a miracle, this is a miracle, this is a miracle. As soldiers and civilians alike made mention of the day of prayer is the reason for the miracle. And so maybe you're, you know, watching the news and you say, well, I don't have any faith to see God make a change over in Ukraine and what's happening right now. But there's something powerful about when we multiply our faith together, it multiplies really the potential of what can happen. And so during our 21 days of prayer and fasting that we're in right now, I just want to take a moment before we go into the message, and let's take a moment and pray, unite our hearts together, and pray for the situation that's going on right now in Ukraine. Heavenly Father, we come before you, Lord, not because we are full of incredible faith, but Lord, we come before you because you are full of incredible power. And we unite our hearts together 
And God, we pray that you would do what only you could do. Lord, we pray, Lord, for protection of human life in Ukraine today. Lord, that that this war would not escalate and spill out beyond the boundaries of this nation. And Lord, we're praying for peace, a ceasefire. Lord, for the enemy that has attacked the nation of Ukraine, Lord, we pray that you would confuse their strategies, confuse their communication, Lord, that their supply lines would run out. They'd have difficulty supplying bullets and armaments to their troops. And Lord, we pray that there would be a reluctance even for their troops to continue on with this military campaign against the nation and the people of Ukraine. God, we can't do it, but we know you can. And so we unite our hearts, Lord. We're asking for a miracle, a de-escalation, and not an escalation of this war. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, make sure to make plans to join us for our uh, night of worship. That's going to be on March the 21st as we just conclude this 21 days of prayer and fasting in an awesome way of just worshiping God because he's so worthy of that. So make plans. That's Monday March 21st at 7 o'clock. Well, let's jump in now to this finale uh, of this series that we've been looking at, as I said, plot twist. And, you know, sometimes you need to talk about some things that you don't really even want to think about. And we're going to talk about some of those things today that we don't even like to think about. And, and one of those is really we don't like to think about when we're gone. We don't like to think about death. We don't think, like to think about what's going to happen after we're gone. But today I want to talk about legacy because Joseph left an incredible legacy because of, as we looked at last week, his choice to forgive those who had wronged him, who had literally abused him and betrayed him, his brothers, his family. But Joseph, because he forgave, it set a ripple effect down through all of history. And quite literally, you're impacted by it today. I'm impacted by it today, even when we study his life, and and even more so at a bigger level than that. In fact, if there were tweets, uh, you, you know, if you think about verses in the Bible almost being like a tweet... Look at this tweet found in the New Testament, and this is hundreds and hundreds of years later, after Joseph, literally, uh, about 1,400 years after Joseph. In the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, it says, By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, he spoke about the exodus of the Israelites from Egypt and gave instructions concerning the burial of his bones. So think about that for just a minute, that, that Joseph, by faith, he, he was like, I don't want to be buried in Egypt. This is really not my home. And he foresaw that, that the nation of Israel, that would really, his brothers, that family would grow into an entire nation of people, and they would leave Egypt one day. That's what the Exodus was. Remember Moses uh, and, and the Ten Commandments, all that. that that's, that's hundreds of years later that that happens. I think it was 400 years that, that Israel was in bondage and slavery in Egypt. But by faith, Joseph saw that and he goes, listen, when you leave, and he understood God's going to deliver you one day, our descendants, our children's children's children, take my bones with you. I don't want to be buried here in Egypt. I want to be buried back at home. And so his life made such a huge impact, literally 1,400 years later, they're writing about it. 400 years later, during the Exodus, they actually carried his bones back to 
the promised land. That none of, no one in that generation had ever lived in that part of the world before. So Joseph was, was just seemed like just thinking about himself, but what resulted was the liberation of two million Jews 400 years later. And he called the shot. He called the shot before it ever happened. What an incredible legacy. That's why the nation of Israel has the bound. That's why they are where they are today located because Joseph foresaw, he could foresee what was going to happen. And so the nation of Israel today, literally in that same area of the world, not in Egypt, in that same area of the world, Joseph could foresee it. What an incredible legacy. He's just looking at his brothers and he says, listen, I don't, wanna, I don't want my bones buried here. Take me back home. One day it's going to happen. There's going to be an exodus. And, and in fact, we, we find that, that when he dies, that things get bad for the nation of Israel. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 8, it says, Then a new king, to whom Joseph meant nothing, came to power in Egypt, and he enslaved the nation of Egypt. And, and so the reality is, can I put it this way? I don't think you and I have any idea the impact that our life really can make or should make or will make because so many times we just look at very isolated in the present moment. But, but your life is much, much greater than just your lifetime or it can be much, much greater than just your lifetime. You have no idea the impact your life can make on, on your children, your children's children, your children's children's children just like Joseph. And, and very interesting, fast forward to the New Testament again. In Acts chapter 7, uh, the first Christian martyr was named Stephen. And, and when, when the religious leaders of the day, they pick up stones, they're about to throw the stones at him and literally take his life. Uh, before they do that, he kind of preaches a sermon and gives a whole history of the nation of Israel. And he speaks a lot about Joseph. And the most amazing thing that Stephen says under the, the, the power of the Holy Spirit before he's stoned to death about Joseph is he makes all these contrasts that Joseph actually was a foreshadowing of Jesus. In other words, he, he start, we can see characteristics of Jesus in the life of Joseph. They, they both spent time in Egypt. He, he outlines they both were rejected by their brothers. They both went into a pit. Jesus descended not into a pit, but into hell itself. They both saved their nation by their own personal sacrifice, and they both brought salvation because of their own sacrifice. Because of what they went through, they were able to save many, many, many people. And so here's the thing. Your life can have a long, long shelf life, but it doesn't happen by accident. We have to be real, real intentional about the decisions that we make. You get to decide if, your, uh, if the shelf life of your life is based on uh, if it's going to make a real huge impact or not, and, and that is based on how you actually handle plot twists in your life. L let me put it this way. Plot twists can either lift you or level you. You decide. All of us are going to go through plot twists, but, but what we've seen is this. It all depends on how we respond to those plot twists. Plot twists can either just devastate, we choose, we're going to be a victim, we're, we're just never going to be different, we're never going to overcome, we, we choose that identity of a victim, or we let, we let that plot twist to actually lift us, just like Joseph did, 
And he chose not to be a victim, but a victor, an overcomer. We get to decide. No one can decide. As bad as I want to decide that for you, I can't decide that for you. As bad as you may want to decide that for your children, you can't decide that for you. Every one of us is going to face plot twists. And if you're not going through one right now and you didn't just come out of one, guess what? You're probably going to face one real soon. Plot twists can either lift you or level you. But you have to make that decision. And, and it's real interesting that uh, Joseph had two sons. And, and when, when he, his father, Jacob, was older, Israel, he's, he's, that's his nickname that God gave him, Israel. That's why the nation's called Israel today. He brought his two sons in to be blessed. And a real interesting story where we want to pick this up in Genesis chapter 48 when we talk about legacy, how that, that really happened. And so Jacob brings his two brothers in, and um, his two sons in. Joseph brings his two sons in to Jacob. And the oldest son in, in the Jewish tradition, in the Hebrew tradition, received the double blessing, the double portion. And so the right hand was considered the hand of blessing. And so Joseph sits his two sons down. Manasseh is the oldest, and Ephraim is the youngest. So he puts Manasseh on his father's right side and Ephraim on his father's left side. So Manasseh gets the right-handed blessing, which is the double portion, and Ephraim gets a blessing, but not as much as Manasseh actually gets. And so that's where we pick up the story in Genesis 48, 8 through 9. It says, when Israel saw the sons of Joseph, he asked, who are these? They are the sons God has given me, Joseph said to his father. Then Israel said, bring them to me and I'll bless them. Now, now Jacob is so old here, he's like blind. He can't even see anything like that. And again, Joseph puts Manasseh on the right and Ephraim on the left. And so Jacob says, okay, let me bless your boys and when he goes to bless them, he goes like this. And he crosses his hands. And he gives the greater blessing, the greater portion, that was the Hebrew tradition, that should have gone to the firstborn, Manasseh. Instead, he gives it to Ephraim. And, and boy, if you're Manasseh, you're, you're a little bit ticked about this. And Joseph thinks he's actually making a mistake. And he kind of calls his, his father on this. And the father says in Genesis 48, 19, but his father refused and said, I know my son, I know he too will become a people and he too will become great. Nevertheless, his younger brother will be greater than he and his descendants will become a group of nations. And when you read the rest of the story, that's exactly what happens all throughout the Old Testament. That, that the Manasseh's blessed, there's no question, but Ephraim was a greater, the tribe of Israel that was actually blessed in a greater way. You know, there's something about this, this whole idea of blessing that is kind of foreign to us, uh, but, but there's something really powerful about it. I, I remember when uh, my mother was in the last stages, last days of her life, uh, Susie and I we're flying down to spend some time with her those last couple of weeks. And uh, 
And I remember that my, my siblings had called before we left and said, you know, mom, we, we've been to visit and, and mom's asking, you know, what do we want of hers? And so, you know, one was like, well, I want the china. And, and one was like, well, I want jewelry and tea set, you know, and things like this. And so I, we're talking on the plane and I, I said to Susie, what, what is it? Mom's gonna ask what we want of hers. And, and we just talked about what it was we wanted. And sure enough, we got down there and probably been there just about a day. And she's very, very weak. She called me in one morning and she said, honey, I, I don't have much time left. What is it of mine that you want? I want, I want you to have it now. And Susie and I had talked about it. And I said, mom, I don't, I don't want any of your possessions here on earth. I just want you to bless me. And she said, honey, I'm sorry, I can't do that right now. I'm just too weak. But I'm gonna pray that God will give me strength. And when he does, I'll call you in and I'll give you what it is that you've asked for. I'm the third son. <laughs> but I knew my older brother hadn't asked for it. I, I knew both my older brothers didn't ask for it. I wanted my mother's blessing. She wasn't perfect, but she's a wonderful, powerful woman of God. And I remember a couple days went by, and then one morning my father came out of the bedroom early in the morning about breakfast time, and he said, your, your mom wants to see you and Susie. We walked in there, and she said, I think I can do it. And she threw back the covers on the bed. I helped her swing her legs around over the edge of the bed and she said kneel down and she put her hands on me and she just blessed me spoke words of purpose said things I'll never forget to this day about my future and what God was revealing to her my future was going to be like and then she laid hands on Susie and blessed Susie as well. And those are things that we hold dear to our heart today, what she said, and we've seen them happen. God was speaking through her. And I'm not going to share it with you because it's just a little too personal. But there's something about this blessing, the power of the words. That's why we end our services here at Valley with a blessing. Because here's the thing, your words can create worlds. Your words, my words, can literally create worlds. And I'm not the same person today that I, am, that I was before my mother blessed me, literally on her deathbed. It changed me. The power of the words that she spoke as she blessed me. And... and when Jacob blessed Manasseh and Ephraim, it changed it. It spoke purpose and power into their life. And, and, and when we bless, that blessing that God gave at the end of our service, that, that's not just like a little religious thing. There's literally power that happens in that blessing. The words spoken of you can become a reality over you and in your life. 
Now, now the same is true, not only blessings, but, but also horrible things that have been spoken over us. You know what, there's, there's some people right now watching on our online campus and, and spiritually speaking, you've got a scar all the way down your sternum from words your father spoke over you. You'll never amount to anything. You're good for nothing. I can't believe you're even my son. Those words spoken by an authority figure can, can, can completely doom a child if, if we just let those hit our hearts. Because your words, for good or for bad, they can create worlds. They can frame a future for a lifetime. Some, some one sentence from your mother spoke over you when you were young and has wounded your spirit and your soul so bad that it really frames the way that you see the world today. Just, just a word from a father, just a word from a mother because words create worlds. It could also be, it doesn't have to be just a parent, it could also be words from a mentor or a pastor or a teacher or a coach, even a boss. Anyone who has authority over you and in your life in any way, they can speak words of blessing and it will bless your life. It will create. Think about it, that, that we are made in the image of God. And when God created everything you and I see, how did he do it? He said, let there be light. It was by his word. That's part of being the image of God, that we speak life or we speak death, especially to those we have some sort of authority and influence in their life. And so your words can create a reality for good or for bad in someone else's life. In Genesis chapter 49, Jacob has his own sons come in because he's on his deathbed. And he blesses them. And everything, and, and I won't read all that, but everything that, that Jacob said over his sons, which ended up being the tribes of Israel, everything that he said about them, was, everything he said was true, but not everything that Jacob said was reality. It didn't come to reality. And so just because an authority figure has said some, something that is awful in your life, over your life, it doesn't mean that you're doomed for that to happen. You have the choice in it still. And so we need to understand there's three voices every one of us has in our life. Authority figures, the voice of God, and our own voice. And so many times, if we're really, really honest, our own voice is an echo of the authority figures in our life, the words they've spoken over us that have formed our identity, that formed the matrix through which we see the world. But that's not the only voice. God also has something to say about you. God also has something to say about me. And we have to choose, we have the ability to choose what voices are we gonna turn up the volume and what voices are we gonna turn down the volume. That makes all the difference about the life that we live. Are, are, we, are we gonna turn up the volume of, of the authority figures that, that you're good for nothing, I can't believe you, just putting down, slamming all the time? Are we going to turn up their volume and listen to it, or are we going to turn down that volume and listen to God instead and turn up the volume for him? Because here's the thing. You can't control what others say about you, but you can control the volume of their voice in your life. 
You can't control the, the, what other people say. You'll never be able to do that. But you can turn down the volume. You can, you can change the weight that you put on those words. Three voices. Voices of authority. Voices of God. The voice of God. Or our own voice inside. Let me give you an example of what we're talking about here. As, as Jacob blesses the tribes, his sons, it's not all good stuff. Look at the first one, Genesis chapter 49, verse 3 and 4. Reuben, who was the oldest, said, Reuben, you're my firstborn, my might, the first sign of my strength, excelling in honor, excelling in power. And, and don't you know Reuben's like, yes, I am. I'm going to get the, I'm getting that double portion right now. Here it comes. Daddy, just lay it on me. But he, you know, it sounds so good and like, all right, here it comes. But that's not all he said. He goes on and he says, Turbulent as the waters, you will no longer excel, for you went up into your father's bed onto my couch and you defiled it. Now, I'm not even going to explain what happened there, but it's in the Bible. It's very accurate what happened. That, that Jacob knew about what Reuben had done, sexual immorality in, in relation, under the roof with Jacob, under Jacob's roof, that he created committed sexual immorality with, with one of Jacob's, his father's concubines. And because of it, he said, this, this is what your life is going to be. This, this is what the rest of your life is going to be. And you know what? It's what happened. It's exactly what happened. Because Jacob as a father, authority figure, had authority in Reuben's life. He was able to speak blessing and also curse and it's what ended up happening. But Reuben had the choice if he was going to walk in that or not. Think about it for just a minute. Reuben ended up going right into this, and, and, and he didn't excel any longer. And, and exactly what Jacob had said over him on his deathbed is exactly what ended up happening for the most part with the nation of Reuben. However, Joseph, think about how many negative things were spoken over Joseph. From his own brothers, they hated him. From his own father, when he told him his dreams, he's like, you're nuts. You know, and then he sold into slavery. Think about how many things were said over his life, people said about him, you know, when he's a slave. And then Potiphar's wife that lies about him, he's in prison. Think about all the things that Potiphar's wife said. Think about all the things that were said to him in prison. And yet, instead of saying, that's who I am, that's what my identity is going to be, I'm going to allow what everybody else, what these people say about me to determine who I really am. Instead, he rejected those things. He turned down the voices of other people and he turned up the voice of God in his life. And because he turned up the voice of God in his life, an entire nation was born. But he had the choice. See, I think so many times in my life and your life, we get so focused on just the here and now that we give no thought to the there and then. The legacy that we're going to leave for our children, for our children's children, and our children's 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 for generations to come. Joseph turned down the volume of others and he didn't listen. You are not destined to fulfill the words that have been spoken over your life, the negative words. You have a choice in the matter. Joseph had a choice in the matter. I have a choice in the matter. And you have a choice in the matter. You don't have to listen to those voices. Comes up on Judah, 
And, and, and listen to the blessing that he gives, that Jacob gives to Judah and to what ends up being the tribe of Judah. Just a portion of it here. Genesis 49.10 says, The scepter will not depart from Judah, nor will the ruler's staff from between his feet, until he to whom it belongs shall come, and the obedience of the nation shall be his. Jacob prophesied positively over Judah. And who is this talking about? This isn't even talking about Judah. It's talking about Jesus. Jesus is called the lion of the tribe of Judah. He is prophesied. It's not from Reuben, the oldest brother, that you would think Jesus would be a descendant from. It's Judah. Judah, who, as we talked about last week, that, that when, when his younger brother Benjamin, who had become daddy's favorite after daddy thought Joseph was dead, when Joseph's playing mind games with him and all, and, and plants some stuff in his bags and, and, and says, you've been stealing from me, Benjamin's going to prison. Judah says, no, take me instead. Take me instead. Take me in his place. And, and, and there's something about the, the sacrificial decision that Judah made that God sees, God knew, and he said, that's where my son's gonna come from, Judah's line. Because that's really what Jesus did for you and he did for me. The sin that we really deserve, that because of our sin, the, the penalty we had to pay on the cross, the punishment. Jesus came and said, take me instead. That's why he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And so this whole idea of blessing it is really, really powerful. When, when, let me ask this question. What can God do through you because of what others have done to you? Joseph didn't live an easy life. He went through all kinds of stuff, but God could do something through him because of what other people had done to him. It's not that God wanted those things, made those things happen, but God can use it all as we talked about last week. So maybe, maybe even the words that have been spoken over your life, that, that the hurt, the pain, all the, that, that God can work through those for other people, just like he did in the life of Joseph. The end of the story in Genesis, Jacob ends up dying. Joseph's brothers now fear that he's going to retaliate on. They're like, oh, okay, well, you were just being nice. That's what their thoughts were. You're just being nice to us, Joseph, J just because daddy was alive, but daddy's gone now. A and they're afraid he's gonna retaliate. A and look at what the Bible says in Genesis 50, verse 19 through 21. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And he goes on and he says, so then don't be afraid. I will provide for you and your children and rest assured them, uh, and he reassured them and he spoke kindly to them. Joseph told them, I'm not just going to provide for my family, my kid, I'm providing for all of your kids as well. And he really changed, and what came out of it, not only impacted his family, but it was the birth of a nation because of Joseph. 
who went through so much, so much pain, so much betrayal, so much abuse, so much heartache, but instead of just thinking about how it all hurt him, he decided, in the plot twists I've had in my life, I'm not going to allow the plot twists to level me. I'm going to allow them to lift me, and as they lift me, I'm going to lift up other people as well. Whose voice are you listening to? The voice of others? The voice of God? Or maybe even your own voice? Are, are you looking back at the past pain, or are you looking forward to the opportunity that God's placed right before you right here today and making the most of it? See, we've got to learn we must mute the voice of our pain in our past and elevate the voice of God in our present. And, and so I've actually put this together for you, this download. This is by Ken Boa, great biblical scholar and, and, and theologian. It's four pages. Four pages. I encourage you to download it. Four pages of who God says I am. Statement followed by a verse of Scripture. And, and for some of us, there have been so many things spoken over our lives, negative from authority figure, you know, parents or teachers or coach or, or, or so people like that, that, that we need our minds renewed to turn down the volume of those other voices and turn up the voice of God. So this is four pages of what the Bible says. Describe, this is who you are as a follower of Christ with a chapter and verse, and I, I think this would be a great tool, that's why I put it together, a great tool even for our 21 days of prayer and fasting, that as we're praying, you, you know, God's bringing stuff up, as we're fasting, as we're denying ourselves something, many of us denying ourselves food, that, that filling it and, and renewing our minds with what God says about you, what God says about me. Let, let me just give you a sample of this. The Bible says I'm a child of God, chapter and verse reference right there. I'm a branch of the true vine and a conduit of, conduit of Christ's love. I'm a friend of Jesus. I'm a friend of Jesus. I've been justified and redeemed. My old self was crucified with Christ. I, it's no longer that I that live, but, but I'm no longer a slave to sin. I will not be condemned by God. Some of us need to hear that. That condemning voice in our mind, that's not God that's speaking. That's either your voice or someone else's. It's not, it's not God's voice. There's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. As a child of God, I am a fellow heir with Jesus Christ. I have been accepted by Christ. I am being called a saint by God. That's what the Bible tells us. In Christ Jesus, I have wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. My body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who dwells in me. God don't make junk. That's what the Bible says. I am joined to the Lord and I am one spirit with him. God leads me in the triumph and the knowledge of Christ with the Bible verses of every one of these on this, this handout that you can download. The hardening of my mind has been removed in Christ. The hardening of my heart, my, the dullness that I have to being sensitive to his Holy Spirit, that's been removed because of Jesus Christ. I'm a new creature in Christ. I've become the righteousness of God in Christ. I've been made one with all who are in Christ Jesus, one body together. I am no longer a slave, but a child and an heir of God, my heavenly Father. I've been set free in Christ. I've been blessed with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places because of Jesus Christ. Yes, you. You may not feel blessed. You are blessed. We need to renew our mind. We need to 
tone down the volume of the other voices and turn up the volume of God's voice in our life. I am chosen, holy, and blameless before God. You are. As, as, as a follower of Christ, chosen. He picked you out. I am redeemed and forgiven by the grace of Christ. I have been predestined by God to obtain an inheritance. Maybe your mother and father, your earthly parents didn't leave you an inheritance. But, but, but let me just put it this way. It doesn't matter the inheritance you leave. What's more important is not the inheritance you receive. It's the legacy you leave for those that come behind you. And you have been given an inheritance by God to leave a legacy. I have been sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. Because of God's mercy and love, I have been made alive in Christ. I'm seated with Christ in heavenly places. So when difficulties and circumstances and situations come into my life, we, we, we don't need to look up and say, God, help us. We need to look down because the Bible says we're seated with Christ in heavenly places and we need to get God's perspective on what's happening here on earth. The Bible says you and I are seated with Jesus Christ in heavenly places. I could just go on and on and on. There, there's, there's another page and a half of these. And, and so I... I want to put this tool in your hand because every one of us has had words spoken over us by authority figures that have wounded our souls. And we need to allow the words of God to be the loudest voice in our life. Not, not, not what someone else said about us. No matter what that motivation was and so many times because hurt people hurt people. But we need to let the volume of God's voice be the loudest voice in our life. And you know what? If we'll do that, just like Joseph did, it will not only change our life, it'll change the generations to come. Just like God worked through Joseph's life. All the bad and all the good, he used it all because Joseph decided... I'm not going to let the plot twists of my life level me. I'm going to trust God and let them lift me. And because of that, he impacted generations to come, even impacting you right now and me right now as we learn and we study his life. I'm going to ask right now, would you bow your heads with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, help us to listen to you to hear your words, Lord. Not, not, not the negative, berating, belittling words that have been spoken over us over the course of our lifetime. That we would no longer allow that to frame who we are. But Lord, we would allow your word to frame our identity and who we are. Lord, that we would make the choice and God, I know you want every one of us to make that choice, to, to make that decision, but, but you don't force it on us. We have to choose it ourselves. Lord, may we make the decision today to allow the plot twists in our life, Lord, not to level us, but to lift us. That literally generations to come, our children and our children's children's children would say they have been blessed because of the decisions that we make today. In Jesus' name, amen.